Podcast. Presented by XFL2K.com. With your host, Tron Hawkins. Welcome to this is the XFL Podcast. I'm your host, Tron Hawkins. Today's a huge episode. I first started this podcast about a year ago. It'll be a year ago on, this, on December 6th. The most responsive people to the podcast was St. Louis, which is crazy because I came out with the podcast the day that the cities was announced. But a lot of the St. Louis fans follow me. I got a lot of Bellhawk fans that follow me. I did an episode on the history of St. Louis football, and that was huge. It was a huge episode, my first really big episode that I did. I did uh, one on Isaac Bruce because uh, a lot of people wanted him to be the coach at the time. Did a lot of listens. There's a lot of listens on that, too. So St. Louis is near dead to my heart. I think they have a good team, especially on defense. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, first off, we'll talk about what they're playing at. They're playing the Dome. The Dome is, you know, very, very special to St. Louis. Nobody's played there since the Rams. This year's the 20th anniversary of the greatest show on turf. One, I think it's crazy that they don't get a home game week one. You'd think St. Louis would get a home game week one, but they don't get one to week three, which we're going to talk about schedule in a minute. But that dome could be the best home field advantage in the league because it's indoors. It's gonna be loud. You got fans. It's the only. It's got. It's the only team in the league that don't already have an XFL, uh, NFL team. Excuse me. It's crazy that they don't have a week one game. They're gonna wait until week three. The good thing about that is it don't matter if they start out one and one, two and zero, oh, or zero oh and two. There's gonna be a packed crowd um, for that home opener against the Guardians. I think they have a good team on defense. Uh, Jonathan Hayes is a newer coach. He's never he's the coach with the least experience in this league. But, you know, being a player before tight end for Cincinnati, I think he'll be a great coach. He's obviously put together a good team. He knows what he's doing. Um, and I think he's a class act, how he wants to get them involved in the community and everything, get them involved. That's the first thing. Like, the first thing he said was, I want my players to be involved in the community in St. Louis. So it's going to be a fun team to watch. I got them going to the Eastern Finals against the Defenders. Spoiler alert. As I was saying about Coach Hayes, he's the least experienced one. I think I had him number eight in the ranking of the coaches. But that don't mean he's not going to be a great coach. Uh, he has passion. He obviously knows how to draft. I think he picked a great defense. I think it's going to be a defensive team and a run-heavy team, as we're going to talk about later on when I talk about the players. But I think he has an idea of what to do in this league. Uh, he's going to throw some, um, but I don't think he's going to throw a lot. I think he's going to be probably going to have the most rushing yards in the league. I mean, that's why he picked who he picked for the first pick. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Let's go over their schedule right quick. Uh, week one, not easy. They go at Dallas. That's the main event of the weekend. That's going to be probably the best game of the weekend. That defense against Landry Jones. Week two, they go at Houston against June Jones. So, I mean, two hard games at the week. Uh, week back-to-back. Uh, week one and week two. Week three, the home opener against the Guardians. Um, I think that's actually a winnable game. And then they have they bring Seattle to town week four. So they're back-to-back home games that's open the road back-to-back. They play the Defenders, which could be a championship game preview, uh, week five at Audi Field. Week six, they go their first visit to Tampa. Um, and here's an interesting one. Week seven is the one everybody probably circled on the calendars when they first announced the cities. It is at the Dome. It's the Wildcats of L.A. against St. Louis. When the schedule comes out, St. Louis is like, this is the big one, and you know why. So they, they're even hyping it up as a rivalry game. So I can't wait to see that. Fans online has been talking about the Vipers, though. I don't know if St. Louis and Tampa Bay is going to be like a rivals because of that, but a lot of St. Louis fan pages is like, you know, Vipers piece it down. Vipers fans piece it down and stuff. So it's, it's kind of random, uh, but it's funny to see. So uh, it'd be interesting, uh, both those games. Uh, then they go to New York week 8. And then they finish at home week 9 and week 10 against the Vipers and Defenders. Um, so it's interesting to see, and it's possible that week 10 they could be playing for home field in the championship game. 
between the Vipers, I mean, between the defenders and St. Louis. So it's possible that they could be just playing for home field in the in the Eastern uh, Championship. I think it's a good schedule. I see them going maybe uh, seven and three. You know, I think they might start at zero and two and then just kind of run the gauntlet from there. I see them maybe lose the six and four, seven to three. I think is possible for St. Louis. They don't really have a whole lot of games on national TV, like the big channels, uh, like Fox, ABC. So here's how it breaks down. They have week one's on ESPN, week two's on FS1, week three's on ESPN, week four is their first big one on Fox, week five is Fox Sports 1, week six is actually one of the only games on Fox Sports 2, uh, week seven uh, on Fox, the LA game at the Dome, week eight on Fox, week nine on ESPN 2, and finally week 10 will either be on ABC or Fox Sports 1, which the bigger games will be on ABC, so I see them being on ABC uh, that week. So I mean, they're on pretty big channels, uh, but Fox Sports 1, ESPN is kind of like their home uh, for the St. Louis. But I get it, I mean, not a huge market or anything like that. Again, this is articles on XFL board. Uh, this one's written by Mike Mitchell. It's the Jaffa Cap for St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis team, if you have any questions, you know, these guys get in depth. Um, like, XFL Newsroom does an amazing job for, like, the news and stuff. Uh, but I, I understand getting into this is just too much. I don't know how these guys even have time to do it. Um, so I appreciate, you know, the work they put in so I can kind of figure out who these players are. Because, to be honest with you, a lot of these guys, a lot of people don't know who some of these players are because they're, I mean, they're not lower tier. I mean, they're good players. But, yeah, picking up XFL Newsroom, check him out, xfonewsroom.com. Check us out on check him out on Twitter at Expo Newsroom. Check me out at Expo Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Expo Newsroom and these work and work together for since day one, pretty much. Also check out XFL Unhinged on his YouTube page uh, with J Dash and them. Great podcast system we kind of got going. Check out on Fridays this week in XFL with Expo Newsroom uh, with the ref. It's wonderful stuff. Wonderful page we got going on over there. So the first quarterback they had assigned to them was Jordan Tommy from Ole Miss. He's only 21. He's an undrafted rookie. He spent all summer backing up Deshaun Watson in, in Houston. The thing is, though, he's kind of like – it's weird. He's kind of like Jonathan Hayes in a way. Jonathan Hayes is not very – he don't have a lot of experience. Neither is Jordan Tommy. So they're kind of doing this together. They're like, oh, I'm going to start quarterback now for a pro team. You're the first-time coach. What are we going to do here? Because – because Jonathan Hayes has only been a positioning coach, like tight end coach for Cincinnati. He's like he's just been a positional coach. He's never been an offensive coordinator, never been a defensive coordinator. Uh, he even have his brother to be a defensive coordinator. They're learning together, which could be dangerous. They might get it, you know, they might be able to put it together. But here's my thing about, about him. He's been the second SEC behind Tua. Everybody finished second SEC behind Tua their senior year, or, you know, last year. Um, he had 19 touchdowns, eight picks. He had 342 yards, six touchdowns. Here's my problem with him. He has upside, don't get me wrong. I would have looked good with DJ Metcalf, A.J. Brown, and Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox has been an awesome tight end for the Bills. Metcalf in Seattle, A.J. Brown for Tennessee. I would have been great. So the thing is, it's not one of those things where, you know, like mini camp starting this week. It's not one of those things where you have time to work it out. Like, oh, okay, we got a season getting ready. No, the season's now. This is 10 games. It's a sprint. You might not have time to get ready. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But he's young. He is very young. So... They addressed this. They addressed this. Um, now, they, they drafted a quarterback, but I'm going to talk about him right this second. I'm going to talk about Taylor Haneke. Um, they, they, they got assigned to him. He's from Old Dominion. He was awarded All-American Honors, CAA Office Player of the Year, and the Walter Payton Award uh, at Old Dominion when he went there. In his career at Old Dominion, he had 14,959 yards, 132 touchdowns, 39 picks. He also ran 367 times for 1,320 yards and 22 touchdowns. Here's the knock on him, though. He's hurt. Um, he started last year one game. Uh, no, actually, I'm sorry. Yeah, he started one game last year. He appeared in six games. 
but week 16 against the Falcons, Cam Newton was out with a shoulder injury. He started against them. He threw for 274 yards on 53 attempts, completed 33 of 53 with a touchdown and three picks. But he suffered an elbow injury and got replaced by Kyle Allen, who is now the starter for Carolina. So, the knock on him is he's always hurt. Like, he's been placed on injury reserve until on 17. He was placed on uh, injury reserve until on 16. Uh, for injury, he served to a mini camp training camp, like at the short term hour with the, when he was with the Vikings. So, he's always hurt. Like, he's never been on the field. He could be a wonderful quarterback. And I think he might win the starting job just because he's had experience. But, uh, really, uh, Jonathan Hayes, do you want to take a shot? With the upside, or do you want to give this kid a chance who might end up hurt and he might just have to end up going to Jordan Tamu anyway? I mean, that's just kind of way you gotta look at it. To me, I would pick Jordan Tamu just because upside's the limit. My question is when they first did their list, was Heineke higher? Heineke or Heineke, whatever his name is, he could have been higher on, than Jordan Tamu, but he was with a practice squad. I mean, they got he got assigned to the Battle Hawks for a reason. Um, so that's going to be one of the interesting battles. We're going to talk more about this battle um, in the training camp battle episode because that's really the the, the big battle. Um, to me, we're going to talk about later on the, the next episode with the Wildcats. I'm not going to really talk a lot about the supplemental draft. I'm not, I know a lot of these guys might have been drafted in the NFL or picked up by the NFL already I'm going to talk about, but the thing is they have rights. Like when when well, from what I understand, when an NFL team picks up one of these players from the XFL, the team still holds right. So when they get cut from the practice squad, they can go to the XFL and play on that team. So I'm still going to talk about them because chances are they're going to come back. In the player draft in round one, they killed it with Christine Michael. I thought Christine Michael was going to be the top pick just because of his pedigree. They got Christine Michael and Matt Jones, which I'll talk about in other episodes. It's like Lightning and Thunder. Matt Jones is a heavy runner from uh, from um, from Florida. Uh, he also played for the Redskins. Christine Michael, A&M, Seattle. Uh, Christian Michael's career was actually off to a good start until he got hurt. They're both young, um, and they and they can run. I mean, they ain't, ain't like they ran for 100,000 yards in their careers. He won the Walter Payton Award for being the best high school player in the country, did uh, Christian Michael. He's a second-round pick, and, but he only had 250 carries, 254 carries, um, and he only had nine starts. Jones picked the fifth round. So um, he's only 26. So these two guys are young. I think they're going to run him into the ground, and I think that they – they could just run the ball. They're going to lead the league in rushing, I believe, with them too. So when it comes to wide receivers, Doug Meacham, their offense coordinator, runs their air raid offense, which a lot of these coaches do. They have Damani Pearsonell from Nebraska and local Missouri guy, with Damian Washington. But they also, in the supplemental back draft, picked up Terrence Williams. The reason why this point is I think Terrence Williams would have been drafted in the draft pretty high. But he thought maybe he can hold out for the NFL team that never came calling. I don't understand why he's not in the league. He was awesome in his career at Baylor. He was awesome with the Cowboys, being number two behind Dez. And then even being a number one with Dez without. Chance Williams is a good football player. Why does he not have a job in the NFL? Something, you know, something wrong there, I think. But with that group, you know, he's going to be awesome. Pierce Nail had a precious scent in the AAF. And with the Raiders this past summer, he has a great open field ability and can be a lethal punt returner. One of the Swiss Army Knights I've been talking about, the X-Factor. Um, Washington is 6'4 with long speed. Uh, Trey Brown has also got picked. I mean, Trey Brown has familiarity with him from his time in Birmingham. Uh, he's 28, LaDamian, LaDamian is, but he has been on he's been on seven NFL teams, two CFL teams, and AAF. Hopefully, this is a chance for him to stick. Like, this might be his landing spot. Marcus Lucas, another wide receiver with big, with big size, 6'4, 250 pounds. 
If you're not to play tight end, which you might need to with all these receivers, there's going to be a crowded room in, 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 in St. Louis. Alonzo Russell, uh, who got picked by Jonathan Hayes, he had him. The wide receiver, he had him in Cincinnati. So Jonathan Hayes is used to him. The final pick of Phase 1 was Jordan Lashley, his former fifth-round pick of the Ravens. He led the Pac-12 in receiving yards um, his senior year, or his last year in college. Uh, but he's had off-field issues. He was suspended for three games for undisclosed reasons. And then as a pro, this past summer, he was made by Lockmark to get into a fight with teammates. But he can dominate he dominated UCLA, and then he was off, to, you know, off field issues. But we'll see if he can stick around in the next FL. Next is offensive line, which is, you know, in these secondary leagues like the AAF, they can be a crapshoot. Oh, like the AAF one was was bad. They have a senior offensive lineman, Matt McCannis, who stands out. He's thirty. He, he's a senior offensive lineman. He's thirty years old, former NFL pick, has most career as a sling lineman in the NFL. Uh, but he was with the Burnham Iron, who ran the ball a lot. That's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. The, the, I think they built this offensive line to run the ball. I think this is going to be a running team that plays good defense. Brian Fulkers of, of uh, St. Louis Rams is there. He played 28 games in the NFL. Uh, but he's gonna be a, he was a swing lineman pro. You know, he's coming in and out. Dallas Thomas is a guard. Third-round performance club breaker out of, Miami, uh, out of the Miami Dolphins. He had 26 career starts on his belt. So the, St. Louis did a little bit different. Not only are they going to run the ball, they got something that's hard to find. Veteran offensive lineman that's played in the NFL. I think he's going to be great. Uh, I think they're going to have a great line, great running game. Trent Perkins was picked from Texas. He spent two years with the Bengals. Uh, he was coached by Battlehawks line coach Brian Broswell, as well as Jonathan Hayes. Perkins is sitting back forth on the biggest pass squad since 2017. He retired, got waived, but now he's out of retirement to join his former Bengals coach. So hopefully he gets his career restarted and decides, hey, I want to, I want to do this. Jake Campos spent his entire season as the Cowboys monster squad until 18. He's a very good player out of Iowa State. He projects... From offensive tackle to guard. The chances he's been making since he turned pro. Cowboys got a lot of linemen. I mean, that might be the only reason he didn't get on the field. They, you know, they just might not have room for him. You know, uh, this is a strong group from 1 to 10. Uh, they said Murray has been worked out by NFL teams. Gothier is from the Patriots. Dijon Allen was all-conference player to Hawaii. And Jawan Bushnell Beatty is a monster tackle with tons of upside. A late broom at Michigan who needs to control his weight. Again, they're good up front. An offensive line, they might have the best offensive line in the league. And I, and I think that's why. Offensive line plays going to be important. The thing is with St. Louis is their quarterback situation. They have the worst quarterback situation, I think, in the league. If they had even an Aaron Murray, I think they'd be top, you know, winner, you know, championship level. I'm not saying they are now. I mean, I got them going to the, the, the division championship game. But I just, I just don't see it. Um, they said defensive front seven. Phase three was also strong from top to bottom. Uh, while many players are not household names, when you start digging deep, you can see upside. Marcus Hardison, Kerry Thornton, and Casey Sales, all three have good college pedigrees and NFL background. Uh, defense coordinator Jay Hayes, who made a living coaching up defense linemen in the NFL for years, had some experience D linemen to work with. Again, they got experience. They ca- Here's what they did they took experience at the important position. Like, I mean, not saying quarterback is important, but at like, the line positions, and then went upside with the quarterback, I think. Channing Ward is a player that Hayes coached in Tampa with the Buccaneers. Ward is undersized, 279 pounds, DT, with pass rushing skills, who hadn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, Andrew Ankra is a big-time defensive star in FCS for James Madison. He also was with Orlando. Another Apollo, Terrence Garvin, uh, with the best linebacker in the AF, according to some people. Um, he plays side by the sideline. Great pick by them. Nicholas Grisby is a similar type player. He's been on and off six uh, NFL practice squads. He's also a hard hitter. Like I said, a lot of you guys have been on practice squads. You know, a lot of these guys go back and forth to practice squads. This is their chance to get on the field and have people watch them, not just 
being the practice squad guy. You don't want to be a practice squad guy all your life. I mean, some people make good money. I don't blame them, but they want to get tape on them. Uh, this is the biggest sleeper in this phase is Jamil Garcia-Williams. He might not make it to the roster come February. Um, the six foot seven, two hundred fifty pound pound edge rusher out of UAB had nine and a half sacks last season and fifteen tackles for loss in his senior year. He went undrafted and was signed by the Niners for being weighed. Uh, NFL teams, including the Raiders, have worked him out, and JGW is on the NFL team's radar. That's why he might not be on it. No shame in making the Niners roster. He's currently both the best pass rush and pass defense. Another player that was part of NFL cut down to Jimmo President. He's a, a edge rusher that can play defensive end and has stand has stood up. Well, at outside linebacker. Next up for the Battlehawks. I mean, the next up for the Battlehawks, defensive backfield. This is a good group. I think this is probably the best defensive backfield too. Um, I'm going to talk about them in just a second. It's going to be wonderful. So while every other team seemed to go quarterback, cornerback heavy the past few picks, first few picks of this phase, the Battlehawks decided to go safety position, I'm using four of his first five picks at safety. Herb Mira, who's listed as safety, can also play corner. He's a long player, red over field tackles. Who has experience playing in the nickel and at safety? He's not a traditional outside corner because of lack of speed. So, I mean, that's why he's at safety. Middle child for the Chiefs this summer and impressed him enough during a contract. He didn't make it to the final cuts, however. But, you know, he might end up in the NFL. We might already have uh, before it's over. The biggest story coming out of this phase was Kenny Robinson. He's, to me, this is the biggest get of the draft uh, in the defensive part, the defensive backfield part. He's young. He's the all 12 big. Uh, he's all big 12 safety, projected to be a day one or two pick in the NFL draft, but has decided a big day a day two NFL draft pick, but he's decided to turn pro now. Uh, he pretty much said he don't want to be in the underwear Olympics. I'm about college football. He, he's the first guy that come out of college to play. Might be the only guy that I know of. He hits hard. Uh, he's coming into the perfect situation, playing alongside two veteran safeties and Will here and Will Hill, who's a stud, and Dexter McCoyal. Cornerback Demontre Wade is very similar to Herb Miller, a strong pass corner who's very physical. Um, you get that sense that Tim Lewis, who will be coaching up the defensive backs, is going to be playing a lot of zone and press coverage. Again, get in their face. Don't let them catch it. This is going to be a passing lead. You're going to have corners and safeties. I've been saying that since day one. You're going to have to have that. Trey Cardwell is a former fifth-round pick by the Browns out of ULM. 4-3 uh, speed, but only stands at 5-9. He's kind of short. He's another player at the bottom of the NFL roster that never broke through. And they have another guy, Ryan Watt. He plays safety and corner on this roster. they got a lot of versatile switch army knives, which I, which I love. So now we're going to the open phase. Uh, they took Elliot Fry, who has went on. I don't think he said he wants don't want to do it anymore. Uh, I don't want to be in the XFL from what I heard. You know, they took Robot in the in the first round, second pick. I think it's Tom Moon, I think it's Henneke. That's gonna be the main two. So that's why I'm really talking about him. I think that's gonna be the battle, because you gotta sign both of them. The signed ones have the edge to begin with. They passed up on Callahan, BJ Daniels, and Jack Medberger in this phase, which was crazy, I thought. They addressed the offensive line level. But taking capable linemen who can easily go on in phase two, Andrew McDonald, Avery Young, and Corinne Kevin Kirvin. Uh, the majority of the XFL teams are carrying as many as 15 offensive linemen in the mini camp in December, or now. Uh, one of the biggest sleepers in the draft was uh, Connor Davis out of Stony Brook. He was at the New York Showcase at Montclair State. He's six for eight, 270 pounds, a great athlete at that size with 10 foot broad jump. He has untapped potential and with phase one, tied in West Sexton, currently in the NFL, and with Johnson Hayes. Uh, a former NFL tight end. Uh, so since West Sexton is in the NFL, it might be possible that Connor Davis be the best tight end in the league or the best tight end for them and going to start. So this team has great running backs. It has great offensive line, great defensive line, great corners, great safeties. It's it's a quarterback. They're going to be that's going to be the question marks. You either have a you're going to have a rookie 
like a legit rookie that's going to play pro football, or you're going to have a guy that always gets hurt. So I think either way, they're both going to start. I think even if Heineke starts, um, Tommy will finish it. I think Tommy's going to be a good quarterback. Correct. The thing is, in this league, it's one season, as we know. I mean, it, it hopefully it lasts multiple seasons, but this is a 10-game sprint to get to game 12. They have a lot of upside on this team. But the knowledge and experience helped them learn quality players that was on the back end of the NFL rosters. Players who upside haven't been, had a chance to be starters. That's what this league's about. So they can tap into that potential, these guys. St. Louis can be dangerous. Can they tap into the potential? They can tap in that potential and everybody lives up to expectations. St. Louis is going to be great. We just want to have them finish in second. And the division is because I don't believe in Jim Zorn or Kevin Gilbride. I just don't. I don't I don't like their situation. I like Brandon Silvers in Seattle. But to me, St. Louis had the better team on paper compared to them two. It's just D.C.'s better. But I have, you know, D.C. and then Battlehawks playing uh, for the East Championship. Again, if the quarterback plays good, St. Louis can make a run for home field advantage. If they get home field advantage in the East in that dome, St. Louis can be going to the championship game. That's his bottom line. With Ricky Coach, Ricky quarterback, we're going to see what's going to happen. 